0: Welcome to Setting Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 84. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming back for another episode. Uh, Today, we're not going to be super long. Um, We are uh, just going to jump right in here in a second, but I just want to ask you a question. This year, as you're getting ready for your hunting season... Is there anybody that you think maybe you could take along with you? Is there anybody that's maybe new to hunting that's been having a hard time or maybe somebody who's not interested in hunting, but maybe you could talk to them about it and maybe they might want to go out and just sit in the stand with you, maybe film you hunting. Um, You know, a lot of times whenever we make our plans and our preps, it's all about our plan to kill that big buck or whatever it is that you're going after. But maybe a side goal for you, and it's one of my goals this year, is to not make this season just about you. Also go after uh, trying to get somebody excited about hunting. That's my challenge for you. That's what our guest today likes to do. He's trying to start a nonprofit all about that. And uh, our guest today is Ben Freeman. He's a guy from Ohio like me. Uh, We talk about his nonprofit. We talk about his uh, YouTube page, Bloodborne Outdoors. Uh, We talk about using decoys, turkey hunts. We talk about, as a 10-year-old, how he went out and hunted 50 days to get his first buck. And I have to think, (laughs) if he would have had somebody showing him the ropes, it wouldn't have taken him that many hunts. So uh, this is all about passing it on. It's a great episode. We're going to jump right in. Here's Ben Freeman. All right, guys, I have Ben on the line, Ben Freeman from Euron uh, County, Ohio. How you doing, sir?
1: Oh, not too bad. How's it going?
0: Oh, pretty good down here in the southeast. You're up in the, the northern part there, uh, close to where my my wife's family grew up, actually. Yes. Yeah. How's things up north?
1: Uh, it's it's hot. Yep. Dry. Getting ready wait, for the season? Waiting, got the, get, yeah, getting everything ready, uh, getting the cameras out. Checking cameras and sweating. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's been kind of hot. We've had it there for a few days. I don't know if it was like this in Northern Ohio, but for a few days, it felt like fall, like last week. It was just nice. Felt like, you know, a nice, you know, uh, it was like in the 60s, something like that, a little, you know, cooler in the evenings. And then all of a sudden, the heat's back. <laughs> yeah.
1: It it did get that same way up here and that's what got me excited and started putting out cameras and getting feeders ready and now summer's back. So, uh, you know, it's looking like it's going to be hot. Yeah. When the season opens up, I'm hoping it cools off a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Well, Ben, tell us a little bit about your – what's your summer uh, prep look like? I think for everybody that's a little different. I see a lot of guys kind of getting their gear lined up and getting that stuff ready. Some guys are out boots on the ground scouting. Some guys are doing cameras. So what does that look like for you?
1: Um, I I think I'm pretty lazy (laughs) compared to most others when it comes to the summer prep. I like to leave the deer alone. Um, You know, the summer patterns are going to be a lot different than – your your in-season patterns uh Mm -hmm. so i don't do a ton but i do you know go through my gear i change some bolts out, change out my straps clear up some shooting lanes uh, i order a bunch of new gear Uh, i'm one of those guys that's easily sold on gear so (laughs) i keep up with the trends um and you know i do run a youtube page so i try to make a couple videos on, uh, some things that I do during season, um, to prepare and make mock scrapes, that kind of thing.
0: Oh, cool. Tell us, uh, what's your YouTube
1: channel there? Uh, it's Bloodborne Outdoors, wow. uh, Bloodborne with an E at the end, outdoors.
0: Okay, cool. we will have to check that out.
1: It's, it's just good. I'm just in the startup phase. Uh, I you know, I got into filming last year, so, um I really got the the equipment I need this summer. I've been remaking a lot of deleted a lot of content off of there. Yeah. And uh I'm revamping the whole thing. So hopefully this year it's a little bit better. <laughs>
0: Man, it's a learning process. The filming, um, we've been doing that for a while and I, I feel like just now I'm starting to put out stuff that I like. I feel, you know, I mean, I was always proud of it and it's not that I, but I feel like it's, the quality's just gone up. You know, you learn a lot, you learn um, how to do things better. And so, yeah, that's. so what got you into to filming?
1: Um, You know, I started taking out uh, some kids, I'm, I'm looking into starting a nonprofit, actually, to get some underprivileged kids out and get them into hunting, keep them out of trouble. That's what kept me out of trouble when I was younger. Um, so, so I started filming the kids' hunts, and I thought it was really cool. And there was a lot of times where, you know, you're in the heat of the moment. You don't realize what's even going on. You got your adrenaline going. And, and I feel like you miss part of the hunt um so being it on camera and being able to go back and watch that and uh show it to family show it to my wife my daughter she's only four but she loves to watch my videos and I think it's just a good way to you know keep your mind on the season in the summer also (laughs) yeah stay busy And, and I feel like you also learn a lot from yourself um you can look back at you know what you did right what you did wrong and it makes it a little bit more challenging in my opinion
0: yeah oh absolutely i agree with that i i think filming guys have to decide what their motive is for it um (laughs) because it it is work you know you're carrying extra gear extra weight and then sooner or later it it may cost you a deer it is without a doubt cost me at least one if not more you know deer turkey and so you know, but for me, I, I just, I, the same reason that you just said, I just love being able to show people what I've been able to do. I like going back and reliving those moments and those memories and watching my crazy, like over the top reactions after I shoot something, you know, <laughs> it's always fun. So but, yeah, that's cool, man. It's it probably
1: first two months of the season last year, you know, I'm just, I, I messing with the camera too much and, not getting drawn back in time in my stands. You got really to really like your stands a little bit better and tuck in a little more. Uh, mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot more rather than just draw your bow back, your back and forth between your bow and camera and it's tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Well, Ben, give us a little bit, um, of your background. Tell us a little bit about you and, um, you know, uh, what you do and then uh, maybe jump into a little bit about how you got into hunting
1: all right so uh i'm 24 years old um i've got a four-year-old daughter a wife our one year anniversary was actually last week um congratulations uh, thank you i'm a i'm a full-time firefighter paramedic uh it's you know i looked into becoming a game warden and uh all the game wardens i talked to said if you like hunting don't do it because you're never gonna get to hunt anymore (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so so it's kind of nice. I you know, I work less than ten days a month, so it gives me a lot of time to be out in the field. Um, I'm a I'm a family guy, though. I like to take my wife hunting. I take uh, kids hunting all the time. I've got a lot of friends that I try to get on deer uh, nonstop. So it it does cost me my a lot of my personal time that I could be hunting. But you know, there's nothing else better than putting someone on their first deer. Or, putting on someone on their first buck and getting it on camera Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um so i kind (laughs) of sorry getting off track Um, oh you're good man so i i'm in northern ohio i started hunting um when i was 10 years old um i didn't really grow up in a hunting family no one in my family knew about hunting I actually, I started working on a sweet corn farm. Uh, We were hand picking corn every day of the summer when we weren't in school for $3 an hour. So that's where I uh, built my love for hunting. I saw deer every morning when we were out there. Uh, There was a guy that hunted out there and just talking to him a couple of times, it made me want to try it. So I bought my first crossbow, it was a Horton Hunter. I don't even know that it should have been shot with the way it looked. <laughs> um, and so I started off with that. I bought a tree stand. I put in a tree. I never went up in it cause I didn't know anything that I was doing. I didn't, I wasn't real sure about how safe it was. Um, and, and every day I would get out there when I wasn't in school weekends, I'd have my parents drop me off. I was 10. So I don't know that it was exactly, uh, by the books um i didn't really know what i was doing they didn't really know what they were doing either <laughs> so, so i go out in the field every morning no scent control i was wearing old camo that i was given um and i just kind of spot and stalked everything i ended up getting my first buck three months into the season probably uh 50 or 60 hunts and wow that's uh, a lot of hunting that's that's yeah, that's it it was a lot of time, and it was the first deer I even saw while I was hunting. It's kind of a funny story, so I'll, I'm going to talk about that one.
0: Yeah, go ahead, man. I, I want to hear how that happened. Uh, first off, you're picking corn for three dollars an hour. I mean, that, yeah. that's uh, I w- I'd be talking to your parents about you know or somebody about labor laws. I think it's got to be off a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it,
1: it was it was under the table. It was uh, okay. A little farmer. It, it, we had a good time. It wasn't, you know, it was one of the funnest jobs I ever had. we it was hanging out with all my friends. We'd go out there five in the morning. Um, right. You know, when you're, when you're 11 years old, there's not many people that are getting paid at all. So it was, yeah. it was a good time. Yeah. We probably ate about $2 in corn every time <laughs> when we worked. And, he,
0: and it got you into hunting. So I guess, so I guess, so I guess it is worth it probably it,
1: then. It, my, my first permission I had and uh, it's just grown from there.
0: Well, cool. Well, tell us about that first buck. How did that happen?
1: All right. So, uh, the way the property set up is it's actually uh, leased property from one of the electric companies up here. Um, and he gets paid to maintain it. Uh, so he's got a couple of sweet corn fields on the property and the railroad track that runs through the middle of the property. Uh, it's raised up to 30 feet. Um, and on the other side of that's uh private property I didn't have permission on, but that's where all the deer from it was a thicket, a swamp, and they'd come from over there, come out of the fields. Uh, um, and it, it's kind of a city area, so it's it was tough hunting, you know. The deer would come out late and head back in early. Uh, you rarely catch them out in daylight. Um, so I had been hunting there. Uh, Like I said a lot, Um, there was a couple of times the farmer called me and he's telling me, Hey, the deer back here, there's a deer. I actually had this buck. Um, I'm sneaking along the railroad tracks because it was still kind of maintained. Um, But it was at that point his part of his property. They sold it off to him. So they did, the city came out and they'd mow it all down. Um, so I would, I was sneaking along that and he calls me, I answered the phone and, and he told me that, Hey, there's a buck hundred yards behind you, following you in. So I, I read about this scent running a drag line online the week before so I went out and bought some tanks P yeah. <laughs> and tied it, tied it on a cotton swab with a piece of rope. And I was dragging it in and, and sure enough, I had that. Buck followed me in. So I stopped right, right when he told me that I stopped and crouched down along the railroad track. And I started looking around and pulled up the binoculars and sure enough, he, he's walking out into the cornfield. Um, and so he was probably about 300 yards away. I was able to sneak down the railroad tracks um, and I crawled onto the corn. It was probably shoulder height in time because they actually detassel all of the corn. Um, since we were hand picking, so you could just see his head and his neck over the corner uh, which definitely helped me in that situation yeah so I I crawled down um I had the bow sighted in at 20 yards uh nothing never shot it further than that I had no clue what I was doing um <laughs> so he was facing straight towards me you know I, I made a shot and I was hunting with my uncle um, that was the first time he ever had been out there, um, made a shot. And I thought I missed him. He's sitting there looking right at me. He wasn't spooked at all um, and just dropped right there. Um, <laughs> so, so I called everyone up. It was a whole ordeal. I had all my family come out, my cousins, we probably had 20 people there um, and got it out. It was just a small basket eight pointer, but you know, that's, probably one of my favorite deer I've ever killed. Um, just put a lot of time into it, had no clue what I was doing, and I was able to get a buck down my first season. So I feel like that was a little bit of an achievement. Absolutely, uh, man. That's incredible
0: and, perseverance. I mean, to, you said you were 10 years old?
1: Yeah, I was I was young, way too young to be out there alone. But,
0: I mean, but uh, you're figuring it out. That's awesome.
1: a, You know, it's nice to have – youtube and all these forums now you've got loads of information out there so i was able to piece together a lot of that and Mm. i guess kind of figure it out and i didn't really know what i was doing i don't know if i have it figured out yet so
0: (laughs) i'm the same way it is that is interesting you know you think about like the old timers and how they had to learn and it was to go out and they learn from other people but it was just kind of trial and error and a lot of ways that's what we're able to do but there are a lot of negatives of the internet and social media, even within deer hunting, but the fact that you can go on and ask a question, you know, or see a video of how to do it like that. I think we are pretty blessed to to live in this era where we can just probably reduces that learning curve a little bit. So you can just learn from those other people. And, um, you know, that I'm sure that that helps a lot of people get into hunting and have a lot more success, you know, in time.
1: Yes. think it's definitely huge i've i've learned a lot i've learned a lot that didn't work but i've also you know just like you said trial and error i've learned a lot that's uh definitely put deer in front of me and some of my biggest bucks that i've taken um especially with the the filming aspect there's a lot that goes into that and a lot to learn from the internet yeah Uh, and without that i i don't think i can do it
0: We were talking about this the other day, Um, my buddy Trav and I, we were talking about, you know, obviously what we just said matters, you know, time in the woods, YouTube, those things, but it's, um, but time in the woods, that's, that's really where, you know, you spent 50 days learning it, experiencing it. And then you kind of compare that to what you've seen on the internet or whatever. Um, we were talking about, you know, uh, just like some of these famous hunters that all they do is hunt, like that's their life. And you think about how many days, they are in in the woods and how much they must be learning as compared to us you know if, if you're in the woods you know i'd say the average guy is probably not in the woods 50 days a year you know for deer um they might they might get 30 40 days total you know and you compare that to some of these other guys and it's just like you know it's it's hard it's hard to learn as much as what you can so that's why the internet's so valuable because you can ask questions you can get some feedback and maybe it'll help you know, it's always, uh, part of it is that it's location specific, you know, I mean, there's only things that I've had to learn that like, okay, if, just because that's working in Iowa doesn't necessarily mean that it'll work in Southeast Ohio, but still there's some really good information.
1: Yeah, I've, I've noticed that uh, even, you know, from county to county, it can be huge, you know, mm-hmm. it, your rut seems to a little bit earlier than ours. I used to hunt all day sits the first week november and i've kind of patterned it down to november 14th seems to be my best day up here yep. and even from property to property a mile down the road from each other um there's a couple days that vary definitely with rut activity um it does it does help you know like you were saying days in the field i i'm in the field probably now 20 25 days a month i take all my vacation during deer season so i do get out a lot and I end up usually tagging out earlier than I'd like and I do get to go hunt some other states Um, this year I'm headed over to Kentucky actually in about a a week and a half here for their season opener oh sweet pretty excited about that
0: oh man yeah that would be awesome you're right I, I think you're right I mean you just you look at Um, it's different wherever you go. You know, I I used to think like November, the first four days in November was where it was at, but I ended up shooting my buck on November 17th this year. And it was, I mean, he was grunting a doe. It was awesome. You know? So yeah, it's just, I think that's the thing everybody needs to keep in mind. Um, especially anybody that's listening to this that's new is that just because some guy on TV or some famous person on the internet tells you that this is how it is, that might be how it is for where they hunt. It might not necessarily be for your location. So best thing you can do is get in the woods and learn it you know and and uh, you know the more time you spend the more you're going to understand what's happening so but we'll been back to some of your stories uh you mentioned that you've had uh the opportunity to um you know shoot some other bucks and you maybe got that on film so any other stories uh stand out to you
1: uh so my buck i killed last year um is speaking of uh killing a buck late during the rut um <laughs> So this this particular buck I had on uh, camera once. Um, it's a it's a small property that has a river that runs pretty much all the way around it. It bends around. Um, it's almost an island. Uh, no set food sources. No fields over there. So it's acorn hunting and rut hunting. Yeah. <laughs> the good pass through property. It's really thick. It was clear cut ten years ago. Um, most of it is small saplings and thick thorn bushes and then i've got two mature trees there um so i i had this buck on camera one time uh once i saw him i i made it a goal that was my top hit list buck um i hunted him every day i i I'm guilty of going in way too much and hunting the same spot way too much. You know, it's just something that I haven't gotten over yet that, uh, I think hunting the wind's huge, but I'm guilty of hunting the wrong winds way too often. Um, (laughs) yeah, I, I set up a stand in there. I actually got my, my saddle in a week before that I started saddle hunting last year. I got that stand up and got my saddle and I had this buck come through Uh, He's probably 150. I was about to draw back on him. I had the camera running. It was perfect. Uh, And then I heard some crashing behind him. And I think it was December 3rd at this point. Okay. And it was the buck I'd been after came out. Um, He he ended up scoring right around 165. Wow. uh, That's my biggest buck to date. Uh, And he actually, he had a broken title. Uh, His G2 on the right side was broken off. So he he would have had some extra score there. Um, But, you know, it was just my first buck I ever really set sight on and said, that's the buck I'm going after this season and I'm not shooting anything else. Um, Added some challenge to it. Uh, I saw him that time. I drew back on him. He was 60 yards away. He caught wind of me, took off. Uh, so about a week later, I ended up getting back out. I got in there the, the same time as before, 3.30. Uh, you know, I was running running errands all morning. Got out there, got in the stand, and, you know, I said, I'm going to give it a go. I started rattling, and he came in. I had a decoy out. He came right into the decoy. Mm. Uh, he, he was angry. It was perfect. <laughs> I had the camera what I thought was going. Um, I was able to take a shot at 25 yards. Um, he jumped the shot, and I was probably shaken worse than I've ever shaken in my life. Uh, it didn't look great, so I got got down and I walked out, and came back around dark. So it's been about four hours. Came back, I found part of the arrow it was broken off. Uh, sound like it hit a metal stud when I made that shot. So I wasn't super confident in it. You know, you, you got the nerves going, you're feeling horrible. So I found that piece of arrow it was probably about three inches long. And I found the first couple blood drops and it didn't look good. It was dark blood, small little spots. So I backed out as I was backing out, I jumped him. Um, oh, no. so he circled back around to the back side of the property. Uh, and he was originally going North, so I headed out south, jumped him, and he was in the creek bottom. And you know what that means. <laughs> yeah. when, they, when they go to water, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Um, so I headed out. Um, I came back, uh, called a couple buddies, came back about eight hours later. Um, I, I've got a pretty good idea of how long it takes with those shots, and I just don't have the patience, which is another uh, downfall. But – I came back determined to find a little bit more blood Um, coyotes everywhere on the property. So I didn't want to waste the meat. And uh, I guess the circle of life, if they got him, they got him. But um, I went back, I started tracking the blood again. And after about 20 yards where I tracked him, it was just gushing out, you know, I didn't even need a light to follow and it was just moonlight. Um, I found him. 30, 35 yards away from that spot. Mm -hmm. And it was it was quite 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 a good feeling. But he he was actually he only ended up going about 20 yards from my stand after he went down. Um he was bedded in that creek bed. That was about forty yards from my stand. And after I jumped him, he went about twenty yards and laid back down. And that was it right there.
0: Okay. So you must've hit him. I mean, that sounds like he's, you know, I mean, he's hurt, but it sounds like he's pretty hurt. Is what I'm saying is like, how, so where did you end up actually hitting him at? Were you back so, or were you in the liver area?
1: So I actually hit him um, high and clipped one of the lungs. Okay. And when I hit him, I I don't have the video to go and review it, but what it looked like and what I remember it as, as is that he kind of jumped you know he was real edgy already with that decoy so it seems like he was he was quartering towards me a little bit already um and when I shot I I got a new bow this year but that bow was not quite at all um I don't know that it really matters at 25 yards but he did did seem to jump a little bit and turn a little bit more towards me so it exited right out of the back leg Oh, wow. um so i got the one lung uh and a lot of guts uh, and i think i clipped in maybe a little bit of an artery in the back um so he was actually after i had went back um the timeline is probably messed up but it was probably about 2 hours after the shot i went back to look for a little bit of blood yeah and found that and it just wasn't good blood um but after that i found that bed where he bedded down it was it, it looked like there was no way he should have still been alive so i i think after i bumped him that first time you know it might have moved the broadhead around in his leg and okay. cut that in and finished him off oh man huh. so a little bit of luck um <laughs> but that's
0: what it takes sometimes <laughs>
1: shot in the world, but it, it ended up working out. Um,
0: it's so. it's remarkable how fast they can react whenever they're on alert. So let me ask you this: um, decoys. Uh, my buddy is actually looking into hunting with one this year. Is it something that you plan to continue? Because he's what he's been on the fence about is he's watched a lot of videos and deer without a doubt come into the decoys, but they can't come in on alert. So what's your plan? Are you going to go back to the decoy, or maybe um, what, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I've had mixed luck with them. I've been hunting over a decoy for about five years now Um, and what I have noticed is that if you have a decoy in an open field um, it's gonna build in my experience a lot more alertness. I've had a lot of deer spook at a decoy in an open field. Um, That particular particular property though I've I've had pretty good luck with it I've had a lot of bucks come into it and hang around 20 yards in front of my stand for a half hour at a time and never figure out that it's a decoy so it's I think it works better in the thicker areas especially if you're rattling and calling it gives them something to to look at and gives them that solid you know there's there's a deer right there that's got to be the one that's fighting or the one that's grunting at me and um I've had like I said good luck it worked out last year so I think I'm going to do it again this year Uh, the time's got to be right too I like to use it right right around the second rut um it seems like they're really out and desperate and the balls are dumb so so it seems a little bit better i haven't had i i have put it out a couple times early rut and had bad luck with it um i i have had every single doe that's ever seen my decoy spook (laughs) okay when when they're in lockdown i and really heavily chasing does in that first week of rut i definitely don't put it out anymore (laughs) okay it's cost me quite a few deer
0: Okay, that's good to know. How far away are you putting it about 20, 30 yards away? And and tell us real quick how you're positioning, because I'm just I know there's guys listening to this and there's a lot of how to if if they're thinking about doing it, where where would you put it at?
1: Um if I'm using it as a doe decoy, I put it 20, 25 yards from me. Uh, it, it seems like they always want to come in uh, downwind of it. So I kind of offset it and catch that crosswind a little bit where they're not gonna catch my scent. Okay. Uh, but they, but I do hang uh, a scent wick on there. Um, and depending on, you know, if it's a duck, a, a duck, a buck or a <laughs> I got ducks on my mind. It's almost duck season.
0: There you
1: go. Um, depending on that, what I'm putting on there. And, and like I said, use that crosswind to my advantage and try to get them to come in downwind of it and circle around. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to, point the head where I think they're going to come from. Um, Doesn't always work. Never works during rut, in my opinion, because they're they're coming from every single direction. You never know where they're going to come from or what's going to happen. Set up, I like to set it up between a couple betting areas, though, where they're going to be out ascent checking. Hmm. um, Hopefully catch a buck off guard. Catch them coming in. And it really depends So distance-wise, if I've got a a thicket twenty yards in front of me, obviously I'm not gonna be able to put it right there. Because if they do come in close to the decoy to check it out, I'm never gonna get a shot off. Right. Um, So sometimes it ends up downwind to me. It's not my preference, but it seems like once if you get a a deer that's really locked onto that decoy, they all all bets go out the window and they're coming in regardless. So when it does work it does work but I've had a lot more uh unsuccessful hunts with it than I have successful but it definitely mm. made that one work out last year.
0: Yeah it seems like it's kind of like a high risk high reward type thing. So I mean you're you're using something that obviously is going to attract attention and by attracting attention therefore you know you might get uh, attention that you don't want but whenever it works it's obviously worth it right? <laughs> so
1: Yeah and I think it has helped with the filming also. Um, I'm able to, I've, I have had a lot of action on decoys where I was able to actually film yeah. uh, without being spotted because they're they're not looking straight at you. They're not alerted to you. Um, so, so it does help with the filming. And if you set it up right, you kind of figure out the deer in your area, how they're going to react to it. You can set it up so that they're not looking anywhere near you and you can get a camera on them and get a bow drawn back without spooking them. Oh, huh. well, that's
0: good. Good info. I want to switch gears, um, and just ask you kind of a off the wall question. What would you say is one of your most challenging hunts? So you've had some successes. What do you think has been a hunt that's been like very, uh, challenging for you?
1: Uh, my most challenging I'd say is probably my turkey hunt last year. Uh, <laughs> okay. It wasn't, so much mentally challenging but physically i've had a lot of deer hunts that are mentally challenging you know you're you're back and forth with deer trying to figure out patterns they change uh, and you just can't ever get ahead of them but uh we went to some public property in southern ohio uh it's it's a good sized property i don't know exactly offhand the size of it but it's uh, i want to say 10,000 plus acres.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and w- so we kind of mapped it out, and me and a couple buddies went down there our first time. We got there at three in the morning, and I think we took about the hardest way in possible. Um, there, there was an ATV trail that we found later that runs right through the middle of the property, and we could have walked right, right to where we were. Uh, but w- we ended up first thing right off the road going uh, straight up uh, Thorns everything you can think of in the way Uh, we've downpouring rain uh, not exactly prime turkey hunting weather but um, we got back to a a ridge I set my my buddy up on there and I headed in I was planning to go another 200 yards Um, I ended up going another mile and a half and I ended up on the side of a big valley that a creek ran through so I sat up there the Sun starts coming up and there's gobbling across the ridge on the other side <laughs> so so I ended up walking all the way back around there I set up on this bird and sure enough he flew down to the opposite side um, so I so I ended up going all the way back around this ridge and this was early sunrise times still. so it's probably... Eight in the morning, and I followed this turkey around. He'd gobble probably every half hour until noon. And at that point, I was ready to give up. You know, we hadn't seen anything, it was getting hot. This turkey, I couldn't ever get on him, couldn't get ahead of him. I figured he was end up, and there was no way I was getting him in. So I'm walking back towards my buddy. We had agreed to meet at a certain tree. Uh, almost there. And I hear him gobble again off in the distance. So, so my buddy calls me and now uh, he's telling me that he's, he's on a Turkey and I thought it was that Turkey. Um, sure enough, he was actually in a field the opposite way, about two miles away. So I hiked back in, I ended up doing eight and a half miles uh, from the on app told me i did eight and a half miles of hiking all right so get get finally get up on this ridge um he's gobbling good now every single call he's gobbling back at me um i i crawl up on the hill he pops his head up 60 yards um i shot and it was kind of the hill came up and it was a field that had a couple ridges in it so i was only able to see his head so i shot shot and uh it's 60 yards is a little bit of a long shot uh for me and I saw the head go down but I didn't know if I had hit him or not um, and as soon as I came over that hill that you know he was he was laying right there flopping and I feel like that was probably the the most challenging hunt I had I ended up doing at 10.3 miles wow. I've got that number of memory. Uh, up and down in the hills of Iowa. And for a, a boy that's used to flat land up here, that was, you know, you guys got it rough down there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we can play, we play off
0: that topography. And it's we got that advantage of like knowing, you know, how it works, but man, yeah, it's, it's some work. That's awesome, dude.
1: And it, and it did help. You know, if I didn't have that hill there, there was nowhere, no way I was sneaking up on him. Yeah. Um, but our our first time ever going to the property and a big property we we looked at it on the map and I've really gotten into that this year using maps to my advantage and uh, figuring out where deer and turkeys are going to be without even going to a property ahead of time Um, so that there was a lot of prep work that went into it we planned it for weeks we finally went down there I was trying to get my friend on his first turkey, but we split up. Uh, we had four or five turkeys gobbling in the morning and they all shut up, except this one. Um, and so I was trying to get him on this one. Uh, he ended up going the opposite way to that field. Uh, it was a Jake. He, he probably should have taken a shot, but uh, he didn't want his first turkey to be a Jake. So he, he ended up passing on it. Uh, and I got the bird, 11 and a half inch beard. He had inch and three quarter spurs. It was my biggest bird to date. And I'm waiting for my full body mount to come oh back. Man. So I'm excited about that.
0: That's cool. That's. I that's don't know where man. I'm. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's yeah, got to feel was... rewarding for the amount of work that you put in the scouting. I've never done like a big trip like that for turkeys. Uh, not like that. And that's, yeah, that's got to feel good. That's sweet, man.
1: Yeah, it, it paid off and it was a good time. I don't know that I'll ever go back to the hills down there.
0: <laughs> they are uh, unforgiving at times. I mean, I just think about these guys that hunt down like in uh, the Tennessee hills or West Virginia or even those guys. I can't imagine like hunting turkeys out west in the, the mountains. You know, it just, that, that's got to be tough, very tough. So,
1: yeah, I think it brings a better challenge to it because. Up here, you got a flat and The turkey six hundred yards away, you can bring them in. But yeah. when you got hills, creeks, and roots you never know what's between you and that turkey, and if they're going to come in.
0: Yeah. Well, guys that have listened to this podcast know that I I uh, ate tag soup this year. I had a lot of <laughs> challenges this year turkey hunting, and from what I've heard, just about everybody did. A lot of people had. Kind of a tougher season, so the fact that you're able to do that on public ground, that's that's awesome, Ben. Congratulations on your turkey there. So. Thank you. Well, let me ask you uh, this: just to kind of wrap things up a little bit. You mentioned a nonprofit, and I wanted to kind of go back to that. Tell us a little bit about this. Um, I, I know you're still kind of getting things rolling, and it might not be up off the ground yet. But kind of give us the idea. Uh, you mentioned um, kind of using it as a way to help kids.
1: Yeah, so it's it's definitely in the uh very early stages as a startup and, and it has been um for a year year and a half now
0: yeah
1: um so so the way it started was that i had been taking some kids in the field some kids and friends of mine um and we're having a great time you know i had them calling me back every week hey can we go out again I ended up getting, and it's on my YouTube channel. It's not great quality. It was the first first of my filming, um, getting a deer on camera for a bud, um, and it was a good feeling. Um, so I I have an aunt that's a social worker, and she contacted me a couple years ago about some kids that uh, were uh finding going out fishing and they didn't have the money to buy fishing gear so they were going out and going into public places they were asking if they could borrow a piece of line a hook and they were fishing by hand with just a line and a hook Uh um and so i ended up getting some gear together for them uh getting a couple donations and and giving them some fishing gear and and i thought you know fishing's awesome but i fished and I I was a tournament fisher for a while and I'd much rather be hunting as uh, not for everyone, but I feel like it definitely takes up a lot more time, keeps you a lot more occupied and a lot out of trouble, a lot more than fishing would. And, uh, what a great opportunity to teach about gun safety. And so the ultimate plan is to find a couple kids, uh, to start off, and get them through some hunter education classes. Uh, go through basic gun safety and hunter safety, and get them out in the field. You know, teach them everything that I've learned over the years. I don't know it all, but I know a little bit. Yeah. So teach tracking, how to hang stands, um, how to ask for permission. You know, putting in the work in the off season to get permission. Going out and helping farmers. Um, and I think it's really a great way to stay out of trouble and develop a passion at the same time. Um, so it's like I said in the startup phase, uh, I've contacted a couple companies that are definitely willing to help once I get it started up. Yeah, man. And with some gear, uh, some cameras, I've got a permission on a couple of different properties that I can take kids out to um, and. The the awesome part about it is they're properties that no one typically has permission to hunt. They're very, very hard properties to get permission on. I've asked personally and never had permission. You know, it's crazy though once you have something in place like this where you can help people out, how many people are jumping in to actually yeah. help.
0: Man, that's that's really cool. And I think that's so needed. I mean, I think we're all a little, little selfish because we know that more hunters mean that less areas for us to go to. But I think we just got to realize, hey, if we're losing numbers. And eventually, the less of us there are, the more likely it is that we lose our privileges to hunt as time goes on. And so... And plus the other side of that getting kids into it to keep them out of trouble to kind of show them some values and, and teach them some things. I think that that is just absolutely huge. So whenever, whenever this gets up off the ground, let us know. I'd like to promote it. I'd like to let people know about it. Uh, it's a really cool thing that you're doing there, Ben.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was definitely like you said, it was a hurdle for me to overcome um, with uh, being selfish. Um, you know, you you get your property scouted out and you've got deer on your mind and it's it's really hard to take someone else out um after taking a couple kids out though it, it it changed my mind you see it's a lot more rewarding to see a kid shoot a deer you've you know you've done anyone that's been hunting for a long time has killed enough deer uh that you know it's more rewarding to see that look on a kid's face with their first deer even if they don't end up getting something just getting them out there and they're having fun and begging to go again Uh, there's just something else about it
0: I've uh every year I try and think about goals I try and create like just some hunting goals and and the last few years I've been trying to focus in on my hunting goals you know I started hunting out of a saddle you know so I wanted a saddle and then I wanted a buck with my compound bow the year before that and then last year I just wanted to get a bigger deer and this year Kind of a couple, I had them just as kind of like small goals, but I'm going to make them be about as important as my, just my goal of getting a, a buck this year is uh, I got two guys that I'm thinking of. Uh, one guy's my age actually, but he's just getting into hunting. And then uh, there's a, a high schooler, he's a senior in high school, and he's a, he shot a, a deer with a crossbow, but he's never gotten one with his compound. And so I thought, you know what, my goal needs to be get those guys their first year, you know, make that be a priority. And whenever, I mean, I'm sure I'll have opportunities to go out and they won't, you know, one's in school, the other guy works. So I'm going to have some flexibility there. But that's kind of my thought too. I was like, you know, if they hunt a couple years and they don't get a deer, that's just disheartening and it's hard for them to want to. So uh, that's been one of my side things this year is like, I really want to figure out a way to, uh, help these guys and, and get them on a, you know, a small buck or a doe or even a big buck. If it happens, that'd be awesome. So uh, I think that's important.
1: Yeah. Uh, my, my friend is, is the same way has killed them with crossbows with guns. Uh, but he, he just got a compound two years ago and he's had a lot of seasons, uh, with no deer with the compound and ends up switching back to the crossbow cause he gets frustrated. Yeah. Um, he, he has had shots at three deer, but it just hasn't come together for him. So I've got a uh, property that's loaded with those. Uh, we've, I've got a film from last year of 25 dough out in the field at the same time. And it's only a 15, 20 acre field. Um, I don't know where they're getting all their food from, but, <laughs> um, I, I'm going to take him out there and try to get him on his first compound bow, the deer this year. And, um, and just like, you know, uh, once you shoot one with a compound, it's, it's something, something different, uh, yeah. in your hook. It's, yeah. it's one thing going out and shooting with a gun, but having to get close enough and there's a lot of things that can go wrong with the compound and a lot more challenge. And you, you feel like you have a lot more control over the situation.
0: Yeah. The adrenaline is higher for sure.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: <laughs> well, Ben, man, I, I can't thank you enough for giving us some time today and, and coming on and sharing some of your stories. And I'm sure you got a lot more, so maybe we'll work it out to have you back on down the road. But I just want to say thanks for coming on, sharing your stories, also sharing some ideas about um, you know decoy hunting and filming and all that. So we talked about a lot of stuff today, so thanks for your time, man.
1: All right. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. All right, guys, that's the episode. Really appreciate Ben coming on, sharing his stories, and also his desire to take some new guys out. And that's my challenge for you today. That's all I got for you. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope to come back next week. And until then, remember to shed the light.